All right, so here it is, week four of Mia Moore, and um, today uh, we're going to talk about the hot topic of sex. Someone say sex. Sex. All right, y'all said that quick, like y'all skipped sex. (laughs) That was quick. (laughs) So so just want to encourage you, if, if, you know, you're in a place right now as a parent or as a guardian where you don't want your child to hear about this topic in their uh, under 11 or 10 years old, we do have HL kids available. Uh, if you want to excuse yourself from church today, the Lord's not mad. I love you. Uh, but I understand if you're not ready. Um, but if you are, someone say, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. All right. We're ready to go. Okay. So I just, I, I want to encourage you that it's important that we derive our values from God's word. It's important for us to derive our value system, our, our thought process, our our, our, our mindset from, from truth and from God's word because it's our best bet for life is, is the word of God. And so right now, it's, it's a hot topic, you know, sex, sexuality, gender affirmation, heterosexuality, homosexuality. It's always hot. It's been hot since Adam and Eve. And so I just think it's important that we, we go to the, to the source. Someone say source. So I think I think we we hear from the Lord on these matters and and I'm gonna just tell you right now I haven't written the book I have not written the book we could do a series all year on this topic um, we could talk about the value of your body we could talk about uh, God's redemptive plan through Jesus Christ we can talk about deliverance uh, we can talk about the psychological effects of sex we can we can we we could talk all year so. I am in no way trying to solve the problem. I'm just going to lay out some truth, and um, we're going to talk about it. So today is entitled Good Sex, but not in the sense of the activity. What we're referring to is God's plan to experience his goodness through the act of, of sex. Okay, and so I got three big considerations as we dive into this very general and broad idea of good sex. Not exhaustive at all, but just three big considerations, things you should consider as we continue to move forward, whatever your situation is, okay? Number one is this. We need to consider the well-being of the next generation. Probably didn't think we'd start out that way, but I'm warming up, okay? We need to consider the well-being of the next generation, Um, New York Times recently reported that nearly 80% of teens would have seen porn by the age of 16. And research has also confirmed that two out of every 10 10-year-olds have viewed pornographic material. Two out of every 10. So 20% of 10-year-olds. And um, I remember coming along and uh, <laughs> I had a, a gateway desktop computer. Y- y'all remember the big desktops? They, I mean, they were thick, and then they had the towers that you put on, and they always made that sound like, when it was downloading stuff, and it had that fan on the back, you know. So I had a gateway computer. I was proud of my gateway. My dad got me the gateway 99, Christmas of 99. And um, some of you remember Napster. How many people show of hands? You remember Napster? Don't show your age now. Put your hands down. <laughs> See, y'all young people don't know about Napster because 
Y'all, y'all can go to Apple Music or whatever Android provides. If you're saved, you got Apple Music. But um, if you don't know the Lord, you got an Android. So you can get delivered in about 26 minutes and 42 seconds. All right? You can come to Christ. Um, and so I had Napster. And the thing about Napster is, is whenever you went, downloading a song could take two days. Right? You remember that? Right now, you can get albums in seconds, like just, but it's like, 99 problems done yet? No, it ain't done. It'll be done on Tuesday. And then you wake up Monday morning, it's done, and you feel great. It's like, wow, that was great. But so one day, um, a relative was over, and um, he was, you know, we, we, he was there. He's older, so I'm, I'm in middle school, so he's not like babysitting me, but our parents aren't there. And I come out of my room, and... I turn the corner, and I look at the screen of my computer, and it's just, bam. And, like, my, I think that's the season where my email changed. Like, that's the season where I changed my email from, like, you know, Joshua Redding at AOL to, like, once was blind at AOL. Because, like, my whole, my whole junk was messed up. I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, where can I get more of that? You know, because in, in the flesh, in that, that dead, unspiritual part of me, I'm like, this is crazy, right? But that, that experience determined the trajectory of my life for the next seven years. So from 12 to 19, just that one seed that was sown determined how I viewed women, how I approached women, um, how I treat women. And it was just, it was just terrible. And so here's a key question we need to ask in terms of sexual activity, uh, we need to be asking ourselves this. Whether you're a parent or a guardian, maybe you're not a parent, but you have younger people in your life that you can speak into. Here's the question. Do I want the world or God to teach my children about sex? Do I want the world or God to teach my children about sex? It's important. Because the devil is always out to make disciples. And he's always out to cause a, a domino effect of dysfunction in the world. And we know with regards to illicit content that none of it's real. You know, people are being paid. People are abusing substance. Um, they're numb. And so to allow that to be a driving force in our generation, in their generation, it, it just, it's not, it's not good. So a few things that you want to consider is, uh, these, are, these are questions I, my wife and I, we always work through when it comes to our children. You can call me old school. I just, I, I think it's good though. Um, what movies are they watching? What, what movies or shows are they watching? It's important that you, you get a little strong on this, especially my millennial parents and my Gen Z parents to be, uh, what, what movies are they watching? I've, um, because it's getting very subtle right now. And when it's subtle, that's when you know the enemy is really, he's at, he's at work. And so I've walked in on a number of shows, and I've asked my son, I've, I've got, son, is, is that a man or a woman? And he'll say, the baby boy. Say, Dad, I, I don't know. And I know then that it's the enemy, Francie, because the Bible, the word of God says that God is not the author of confusion. 
So if God is not the author of confusion, there's only one other option out there. So I, I tell them, I've told them a lot over the past few years, I need you to turn that show off. Why, Daddy? Because you're confused. And God doesn't want you to live in a confused state. And, and he doesn't argue. He understands. And, and he goes on to the next show. But you need to be asking yourself, what are my kids watching? What are they saying? Uh, you also want to ask yourself, um, what artists are they listening to? What artists are they listening to? Now, now I get it. Like, we all love the Lord. We're worshiping. We're praising, right? But whenever you're ready to listen to something else, I'd advise you to not do it around them. Because when I was growing up, I wasn't listening to the lyrics. I just wasn't. But these kids, they're a different breed. (laughs) They are a different breed. They're they're playing their devices. They're on the phone. They're, They're on the Nintendo. But they're listening at every word. Judah's, Daddy, what did you just say? I'm like. He ain't say nothing. <laughs> Dang it. They're not like us. They're monsters. They're listening at everything. And then ask yourself, what social media platforms are they on? Because typically what we do as parents, we're tired. We don't want to be bothered. So we say, here you go. I don't need it back. You can give it to my wife. Here you go. And we, we let them stay on there for eight hours. And we don't check in. And so I just recently cut a, uh, I, I cut a, phone, a phone relationship between cousins. Because I don't, I don't teach, my child isn't on TikTok. Jay doesn't have an Instagram. They don't have Facebook. They don't have any of that crap. So I, I saw that one day they were on a, a group chat. And one of the cousins was sending them TikTok videos. And it's like the guy's body is like this big. His head is like this huge. And he's walking through like this dark hallway. (laughs) And it's like, so, you know, that's going to promote nightmares and fear, right? Lower self-esteem. And so as parents, we need to consider the, someone say well-being. Because it's not all innocent. It's all seeds. We need to consider the well-being of our children. And and I also want to drop this on you. Go ahead and write this down. We need to get out in front of the discussion. Get out in front of the discussion. Because for millennials, the average age of illicit material that you had access to was around 12 or 14. But now the average age is between 8 and 9. So the church can no longer be afraid to sit the babies down and say, hey, this is what this is. And, 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 to, and, to, and to, here's the other encouragement, to teach them from the word of God. So be, be an amplifier of God's word in, in their lives. Bring them clarity and encourage them from the word of God. God created their body. God gave them their parts, right? God, God allowed those urges to be raised up on the inside of them. So we want to show them from the word of God. Um, As Moses was establishing a nation, the Lord said this through Moses to the children of Israel, talking about the word of God and the value of the word in your homes. He said this, teach them to your children. Talk about them all the time. Whether you're at home, walking along the road, or going to bed at night, or getting up in the morning. He's saying, look, 
the way you teach your kids about this stuff, you don't have to sit down every time and open up the scripture. You can just talk about it as they go. So, okay, you, you just picked them up from school, all right? Hey, son, um, you see any hot girls today? Not how was your day? Not how was your test? Or, hey, who are you looking at, bro? And it's like, well, uh, your girl at lunch, is gonna, oh, okay. That's, that's cool. That's natural. Right? Instead of them coming home and hiding it and you're finding something in their phone and you're finding it's like, I told you the Lord says don't ever do it. You better never like a girl in your life. <laughs> that's weird. Someone say weird. weird. That's weird. No, because we're, we're, we're humans. But you, you talk as you go. You, so right now what I'm doing with Judah is we do our daily um, bring it in. I say give me my daily and he'll give me, I call it the daily. He'll give me my daily hug. Mm. I rub him, kiss him, because a man should feel affection from his, from his father. Yeah. Rub him, kiss him, rub his head. I call him handsome, beautiful. I, I talk about his features. He should hear that from a man, right? And then I begin to ask him, how was your day? Tell me the bad parts of your day. Tell me the good parts of your day. What am I doing? He's eight, but by the time he hits 11, 12, 13, he'll be ready to talk about everything, yeah. right? So we, we got to consider, someone say the well-being. And, and here it is, guys. Let me give you a few more notes, okay? Talk about their body. Come on, come on. Talk, talk, you need to write this down. You got you to gotta let them know, hey, your body's going to change. You're getting older. This is what this means. Women have this. Men have this. Talk about the body. Talk about their desires, right? It's natural to feel this way, Right? Um, but I would, I would caution against saying don't, right? Don't do that or don't have sex because as humans, the natural tendency is to do what we are told not to do. So in our generation, we were told, um, is this too real? Y'all okay? Is too real? All right. We are in church. So in our generation, we were told to, um, get protection, don't get anyone pregnant. Just bad advice. <laughs> Just terrible <laughs> advice. I was doing some research for this message, and um, this guy had conducted research for over 40 years uh, on Americans. And um, by the age of 44, 98% of Americans would have had sexual relations. Um, 95% of them would have had sexual relations before marriage. In the 1940s, nine out of every 10 women, 1940s, nine out of every 10 women would have had sexual relations before marriage. Why is this important, Pastor? Because back then, there was this traditional sense in which in church, you didn't talk about two things, money and sex. And it was proper to keep yourself for marriage. But the reality of the research show that tradition does not work. We got to tell people why. We got to get to the root of it. We have to get to the, to the heart of it. And so I just think God is done with the days of clean, perfect church. 
I think God really wants to get into the details. I think he wants to rub some of those dysfunctions out of our lives. I think he wants to heal some parts. I think he wants to bring wholeness. I think he... And so I just, we got to consider the next generation well-being. Number two, consider the best and healthiest place for sex. Consider the best and healthiest place for sex. Okay, here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 15. Paul was always addressing something with the church in Corinth. They always had questions. Should have called them freaky church. <laughs> Y'all good? I know I ain't going to see a lot of y'all after this Sunday. I love y'all in Jesus' name. I'm so sorry. All right, here it is. Don't you, <laughs> don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Paul says never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, here it is, this is important, guys, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Here it is, this is the only sin that God says run away from. It's, you can search from Genesis to Revelation. This is the only one that God says flee, avoid, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. You ever notice that? Any other sin is against someone else. But Paul is saying this one affects you. And he says this here. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, talking to Christians, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God brought you with a high price, talking about Jesus. So you must honor God with your body. Okay, so let's do a little bit with the word immorality. Okay, go ahead and write this down. Um, I'm going to just free float. Nothing's going to come up on the screen, but immorality is illicit sexual activity. And so there are a few categories that this falls under. Number one is adultery. And so adultery is the act of two people engaging in sexual activity, one married, the other one not married. Fornication is another one. It's two people who are engaging in sexual activity, and they are not married. This is immoral. And the word fornication comes from a Greek term, porneia, where we get the English term porn, illicit sex. Another one is homosexuality, where two people of the same gender have sexual intercourse. That is immoral. And then Jesus leveled up a bit. And he said, if you lust in your heart, that is sexually immoral. And I think we're all, we're all kind of there, you know. So, but then he, he deals with this idea of becoming one. Someone say becoming one. becoming one. With a prostitute. And a prostitute can be a male or female prostitute, but someone who just sleeps around, but becoming one. All right, so here's the deal. We're created in the image of God, okay? God is triune. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's three, triune. Someone say triune. We're created in his image. We are also triune, all right? So we are a soul. We are souls. We have a spirit. That is our life source. It's the reason our heart is beating right now. It's the Ruach. It's the spirit of God that gives us life. We have a spirit, and we live in a body. 
So we are a soul. We have a spirit. We live in a body. We're triune just like God. And so those three things make up our mental, our emotional, and our physical. He's saying that when you have intercourse with somebody, whether married or not, you become one with them. And so this is what you call a soul tie. Someone say soul tie. A soul tie. Okay? And this is the deal. Whenever you have intercourse with somebody, you carry a piece of them with you everywhere you go. And the only thing that has the power to undo this is salvation in Christ. So when a person repents, someone say repent. When they turn, the word repent means to turn. When they turn from their old lifestyle and accept the grace of God, accept the forgiveness of God and the love of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, someone say Holy Spirit, fills them and begins to spiritually undo the soul ties that we created before we came to Christ. And so um, I remember before coming to Christ, um, and I'll share a little bit about this in about 10 minutes, but I was involved before I met my wife. And so I remember dating and being with girls who uh, liked Sprite. I I hate Sprite. I hate Sprite. But because we were together, I started to develop an affinity for Sprite. And they would develop an affinity for Coca-Cola. Why is that happening? I'm typically a in the clouds kind of guy. I'm I'm rarely depressed, rarely upset, very optimistic, forward moving, let's conquer the world. God is good. Like I got a good life to live. You know what I mean? But then you date somebody and you get with someone in that way. And all of a sudden you're you're depressed. You're doubtful because your soul is tied. And so it's important that when you are single or when you are divorced and when you're kind of out there in the world that you come to Christ and you allow him to begin to undo those soul ties. It's important that if you're waiting on your partner and you're a virgin, it's vital that you just wait on the Lord, wait on God's plan, wait on his goodness. You're not missing out on anything, right? Just, just wait on the Lord's good gift for your life. Can you put your hands together for this? Just wait, just wait. It's okay. It's okay. Mm. I, I, I remember the, the day where I, I, lo- I lost that valuable gift. I remember the day. I was thinking about last night in preparation of this message, and I'm like, it was not worth it. And, and I wish, I wish, you know, someone, guardian, parent, someone would have told me, go to the library. Go play some ball. Like, go. Don't, don't go over there because I'll never be able to come back and say, man, I was able to share that experience with my wife. God is good. He redeems. He heals. But, but why, why? If you're there, if you're still a virgin, stay a virgin. It's such a special thing to share when you get married. It's so special. It's so special. Okay, so here it is. Marriage is the best and healthiest place for sex. Marriage. Someone say marriage. Marriage. It's the best and healthiest place for sex. It says this here from God's word. Hebrews 13, 4, NIV. says this, marriage should be honored by all. 
So even people who are not married, you should honor people's marriage. And it says this here, and the marriage bed kept pure. So single people, leave married people alone. Like, even if they got an eye for you, leave them alone because you want to honor God. God says their bed should be kept pure. So you need to go and work that out with your spouse. Like, I don't, okay, all right, here it is. First Corinthians, this too real, y'all good? All right, all right, all right, okay, go, 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 go. All right, cool. I could give you three steps to succeed, you know what I mean? We could do that, but all right, here it is. First Corinthians 7 says this, a husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive, someone say deprive, each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. First Corinthians 7, 3 through. First Freaky Church. <laughs> I'm telling like reading these verses i'm like which church oh it's corinthians okay <laughs> all right so marriage is the best place jot these three things down marriage is the best place for number one god created marriage for pleasure pleasure physical pleasure emotional this is why next week is going to be so important we got to deal with the emotions all right pleasure Mar- Mar- uh, sex is good and, and it should be enjoyed. All right, number two, procreation. Marriage is the best and safest place under God for procreation. So marriage is a covenant between man and woman under God. And you're saying we're going to serve each other. It's the best situation for kids to be brought into. When they're brought into a home where parents are serving each other, right? Where they're, 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 it's the best plan for it, right? Procreation. So um, you remember in Genesis where, where God said, um, and, 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 and be fruitful and multiply, and it says that God blessed them. Someone say bless. bless. Said, to be fruitful and multiply. The word bless there means that he gave them the ability to procreate. So it says in Genesis 4 that Adam, Genesis 4, verse 1, that Adam had sexual relations with Eve and she produced a man-child. And the name Cain means that God has helped me produce a man-child, right? So sex is also for procreation. So, and this is no hit on anyone's struggle, but think about it this way. If everyone in the world was homosexual, we would not procreate. And humans would cease to exist. That's another reason why at the root of it, it's a a sinful lifestyle, right? And just as much as fornication, no, brother, because if we fornicate and we bring kids into dysfunctional homes, we're just perpetuating more of the dysfunction. So we're not hitting on just one lifestyle. We're hitting on all of it. What I'm saying is, is that marriage under God, man and woman, is the best place for sex and family. 
It's just God's word. It's just, someone say the word of God. It's, it's just the word of God. And, and what we do is we lean into the word of God. We don't change. We don't say, well, Jesus loves me, right? Because, no, no, no. We say, well, Jesus met me in my dirt. He healed my body. He stood me up. And now I'm doing it God's way. Can we put our hands together? Now I'm doing it God's way. All right. And then it's the best place for pace. <laughs> Someone say pace. Marriage is the best place for pace. Research confirms that um, those who seek quality over quantity experience greater sexual satisfaction. And, and marriages, let me encourage our marriages. You can plan out sex. Plan it out. Some of y'all are like, that's boring. I want it to be spontaneous. I was talking with somebody between service and they're like, house. <laughs> they said they want to ask their spouse, how spontaneous working out for us? Because they're so busy. It's like, but if we sit down, pull out a calendar and say Tuesday, Thursday, I'm too real and y'all too scared to laugh at this. And to clap at this, and I'm about to go home because y'all tripping. But pace, pace, guys. As a matter of fact, it says once a week is good. Once a week. So, so if, if, your pal, if your spouse is pressing you a little bit, just say, hey, babe, pastor, once a week. You got the weight on this. Think about it. That's 52 times. Anyway, I'm going to get off of this. I'm going to get off this. But it does. It says uh, once a week. Because, and I was telling this individual that you, um, you need to discuss what you like and what you don't like. They say you can become more creative when you pace it. A doctor from um, University of Chicago, sociologist Linda Waite, author of uh, The Case for Marriage, she studied marriages for 40 years, thousands of people. She concluded this. Here it is, guys. A good marriage is both men's and women's best bet for living a long and healthy life. 40 years of studying marriages. A, a few benefits. Go ahead and write these down. Uh, science has confirmed that you live longer in a good marriage. Go ahead and write these down. You live longer, healthier, happier wealthier. This one was interesting. You recover from illness quicker because of that bedside support and love. And, and once again, greater sexual satisfaction. So it's a lie of the enemy to think that if I'm doing it the world's way, I'm having more fun. Um, I was reading this article where a, <clears throat> a, a woman hooked up with a guy on Tinder and, um, they hooked up after, you know, a few dates, a couple dates. And after they were done, um, she was getting dressed, getting ready to go. He was at the foot of the bed on his phone. She walked by and just took a quick glance at his phone. He was already on Tinder again, looking for the next hookup. I don't think that's fulfillment. I don't think that's satisfaction. But in marriage, you can, you can build something, right? 
that, that matters. And it's just beyond the, the transactional of it all. You're building emotionally. You're building with a friend. If you have children, you're strengthening the home because that connection, that bond is better. Number three, we need to consider God's plan for our life. So, so there are two groups. So I'm going to redeem all this because I don't want anyone walking out of here with shame. There are two groups I'm speaking to today. The first group is you're a virgin and you've never been with anybody. So my encouragement to you is keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep building your life. Keep increasing your value. I mean, th- think, about, think about the gift that you are. You can bring pleasure to somebody and you have the ability to procreate. You don't take that lightly. You can produce life. Don't waste that on anybody. So just keep going. Group number two, um, you have a story. You have a story. You have a history. And, um, and right now in your marriage, there is some struggle. Some of you, because of this message, you feel a little, a little shame. Can I encourage you? Your pastor had a history. Your other pastor had a history. She even had a child to prove it. But what I love about God is that he still had a plan. He, 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 still, he still had a plan. So, so I just... I just bind shame and condemnation over your mind. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he cleanses us and he purifies us and and he gives us a new star. And I just want to speak over you that you are not your mistakes. You are not your past. You are not your addiction. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are set apart by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God has a plan. Come on, church. God has a plan. God has a plan.